Welcome to Wisco Dice! Hey yo folks, I'm your host, the one, the only, the Conzi with the most, and I am joined by... All right, I That's am... Stark Raving Mad. Brian is here. Cut you off. <laughs> and I am Matt Failer, or the Ghost Walker. All right, and this is episode 87 of the Wisco Dice Tabletop Gaming Podcast, and today is November 28th, 2021. On today's episode, we'll cover our recap of our 2021 gaming. We'll also dive into our hobby corner where we'll catch up on our miniature and hobby painting projects uh, that we've been working on. But first... Let's dive into what games that we've been playing with. And I'm going to go ahead and start us off with the Batman miniature game from Night Models. We have a regular game night here in Noble Night Games in Madison, Wisconsin, that we all get together and play uh, this particular miniature game. Brian and I have had a couple of games recently, uh, Your League versus My Joker Crew. Uh, that's went uh, kind of a toss-up yeah, now yeah. of... Wins and losses. Like, yeah, like, kind of. You figured out the magic of how to beat, how to rack up more points than I could. Yeah, I think it's kind of an evolution. Like, you know, it was a bit slow getting back into the rhythm of things this year. And now I've finally gotten a little more comfortable with my crew again, some games under the belt. And I was able to kind of, you know, take some ear tips that you already figured out with building your objective deck. And I actually finally was able to apply them and it worked out pretty good. And, Pretty quickly, you came back and kind of upped your deck again. So it's kind of cool to see the evolution of our strategies working out. And, um, yeah, it is. My team it was kind of a good motivation to <laughs> get things figured out. So I'm happy that it seems like it's progressing. I think that's kind of the beauty, though, of what I found about the Batman Miniatures game is um, I tend to play a single crew, but I will swap models in and out. But consistency for me of playing is really what helps me because, as you said, it, I've learned tricks from Ben. I've learned tricks from Brian. Um, just swapping in and out cards, learning to rotate your deck through. There's a lot of subtlety to it, but I like the fact that it is a skirmish game. It is quick to play if you're if you've ever wanted to do miniature gaming but you're you're really concerned because you stare at the gigantic you know warhammer 40k or warhammer armies that are just massive and you're like oh my god how would i paint that much um you know looking at a skirmish style game it could be batman could be marvel marvel crisis protocol or others i mean it's a it's a small investment from my perspective with a pretty quick to get involved and at least start playing and learning the game so yeah so batman miniatures is a uh, uh just to kind of rat uh round this out and talk about the game itself yep. a little bit it is a uh street level game uh for it set in the batman gotham city universe it's perpetually the game is taking place perpetually at night very much like it does you know batman and is in the various encounters that happen in the comic books most often happen at night during the course of four rounds of the game, you're going to uh, move your small crew of models. It's uh, anywhere, crews are anywhere from four to maybe 12 models. Uh, and you'll move your miniatures around, and it's very thematic. You know, you can totally uh, have your Batman fire, a, uh, fire his grappling hook and 
swing up on top of a rooftop on one turn and and then on another on a following turn dive off the roof and uh jump off the roof and his cloak whips out behind him as he falls to the ground and then he dashes off and throws a bunch of punches into uh into a crook and then a cop walks up later and arrests him and boom you score an objective card for that um so it's very thematic and the game is very immersive in that particular regard um they've done a very good job in this edition uh, making it that way all of the characters are very you know they i think they very much represent a lot of what they do or what you feel like they do right off the pages of the comic book or the films that they represent so if if batman and and DC Comics is your kind of thing, then you should definitely check out Batman Miniature Game from Night Models. And if you're in the Madison area, feel free to swing by Noble, Noble Night Game. You can see on their event schedule the nights that we do play. And uh, let us know you're coming, and you know we can always hook you up with a demonstration or um, a pickup game. The cost to entry, too, is incredibly low. Um, as Matt indicated as well, you're typically looking at uh, somewhere sub- 50 to $100 to, for your entry level to get into the game uh, and start with your, your starting crew. Uh, and that's really just buying one of the, uh, what they call bat boxes, which are starter boxes. I mean, Brian, you're playing your league. Uh, is it League of Assassins, I think they're called now, but you're playing that and you, pl- you still, for, for the most part, play bat box. That's what you're playing. Yep, for the most part, I've just been steady with the bat box for quite a while. And we have articles on the on the blog about how to get started with this game. So, again, if it sounded awesome, make sure you check out our, our blog at wiscodice.com. Brian, I think you wanted to tell us about the, this next game. Yeah, I guess I was going to talk about Project Kaput Regni. I think, uh, whatever, you, me, and Justin, and then one of our other friends have played it the other day. Um, this was my first uh, introduction to the game. Uh, I think it's published by Rio Grande Games. I guess they rate the playtime about one and a half to two hours. Um, I think that was pretty consistent with how we played the other day. It can be a little longer sometimes, especially for new people and teaching the game and stuff. Um, it's a two to four player game. Um, I guess the idea is it's kind of during, uh, I guess Prague is a kind of already like, um, I guess I'm not big on the history part of it, but it's regarding like the, the theme is building the city of Prague. Like it's already a, huge city i guess but um you take the role of like a wealthy citizen and the idea of the game it's kind of like a action and resource managing type thing uh so you're working to construct the city there it's like really a lot going on it was really intimidating (laughs) for the first introduction of the game there's just so many options and the board game has or the game board has a lot going on on it but it really does break down to only like six actions you take on your turn. Um, they work out like a couple of them are just resource regarding stone and gold. Uh, you can either kind of up your production of those items or gain, like produce those items and then use stone and gold to usually build buildings or the walls, which are two of the other things you can do. So you have a little action board that shows kind of tiles for all these actions then you can build a wall around it and those walls usually give you different bonuses like throughout the play or placing tiles there's kind of um, little symbols that match up so when you place these tiles you can get certain rewards depending on which tiles you're able to get and how you place them and then uh, kind of a couple other actions uh upgrading 
is more or less you choose upgrade tiles and place them on your board, which will kind of improve the efficiency of those actions. And you can kind of, you know, sync stuff up to be a little more efficient. And then kind of the last, one of the last things, uh, or the last action is the King's Road action. So that's actually constructing the road and uh, to whatever bridge it is, is kind of the final goal. And you kind of get some bigger rewards once you make it all the way to that bridge. Um, so the scoring, there's kind of some random point scoring throughout the game, but then there's quite a bit comes in in the end game. So you're kind of building all these different rewards uh, to score a lot of points at the end. Um, a couple of the scoring things, there's like the hunger wall and the cathedral. They're kind of similar tracks where you're bumping your little people guy on the track to multiply your reward of some tokens or just get straight like a reward tile or more victory points on those items. Um, I guess one other kind of cool mechanic of the game, like you actually, like you have all these actions you can take, but there's like this little rotating wheel with tiles on it. There's like six tiles. and Each one has a couple corresponding actions on it. And then on your turn, you'll pull one of these tiles and then you can choose either of those actions on that tile. And then this wheel will rotate and uh, your whatever tile you just played will go back kind of at the top of the rotation. So, and as it rotates around like the actions that were done by other players the most recently, you kind of have to pay a little gold if you want to do those again. And then there's kind of like an open space where you can take those actions without penalty and then actions that people haven't been doing, you actually get a little reward for. So that's kind of like an interesting mechanic to break up what actions you're doing. Um, in our game, it didn't seem to have a, well, probably because I was a newer player, like I was only taking like the green or reward actions kind of thing. But then later on, it seemed like a lot of benefit, you know, to if you had some gold to be a little more efficient and pay for those extra things. I think Ben did it partway through the game. And I was like, oh, yeah, you can do that. <laughs> kind of opened my eyes to the play. Um, so it is a lot kind of overwhelming stuff going on, but once you kind of get into it, it all sorts out. Um, I know Justin and Ben, you guys seem to have, definitely have a little more strategy figured out, having a player or two under your belt. And like, I was still felt a fairly competitive, but then you guys kind of blew us out of the water in the end game. Score yeah. there. Um, Justin blew us out of the but, water. I did yeah. Justin the rest of us, this, we're but... all about the same. <laughs> So, so for those of us like myself who haven't had a chance to play it, would you describe it as more of like a Euro style engine building or like worker placement? I, I'm just having trouble envisioning it. So it's a rondelle. So you, it's a rondelle. So Brian was describing this circle gear thing that's mm -hmm. on the on the board, and on that it's got six tokens. That each token has two actions, and on your turn you're going to select one of those tokens, uh, like Brian mm -hmm. was talking about, and that token then gives you the option you can choose one of those two actions and you Got will it. perform that action. There's a place on the board where you can construct buildings. There's a, a road where you can go until up to where you start building on the bridge crosses the river. You can build on um, the cathedral or the, what's it called? The wall, the hunger wall. Uh, and those are multiplier tracks and or some bonus points. There's lots of things you can do. It's like a, it's a it's a bit of a point salad because your scores are going to be in the 
anywhere from 100 points to 150 points, probably more if we actually were really good at it. I have no idea. So there's quite a there's a lot of points. Like Justin's score blew me out of the water that he had that many points. Um, you know, the rest of us are right around that hundred out hundred point mark. Justin was like 150 plus points. There's so many things you can be doing in the game with those six actions. It kind of starts out slow. And then all of a sudden, late in the game, you're like, okay, well, I'm taking that one action, but it triggers this and this and this and this and this. And so your turn becomes much more complex. And then it's like, oh, my God, did I miss one of the things that I needed to do? And I can trigger those in kind of any order. So I got to remember, did I trigger everything I could possibly trigger? That was definitely hard to keep track of. Yeah, we all probably missed a few things that we could have triggered, which ultimately probably led to our demise and Justin winning uh, by as much <laughs> as he did. I know in my part, like I, you, you, you indicated I had maybe had a little strategy, Brian, but I think I, I had a strategy and I knew what I wanted to do. But then like the two tiles that kept one of the things I noticed in a four player game is that the tiles that were generally inexpensive or were rewarding to me to take were roughly the same two or three tiles that I would get every round when I would come around to me yeah, for sure. tile for my action. And so I kind of got stuck into doing the same kind of couple of things, which were not the things that I was thinking I wanted to do strategically. <laughs> <laughs> so my strategy that I had wanted to deploy was completely thrown out of the win- out the window and I could and I had to re- kind of rebuild my strategy and I never really quite got there, so Ultimately, yeah, I, 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 I think there's some uh, need for me to play this game a bit more so I can become more adaptable. Because in two-player play, Suzanne and I had played this game a couple of times, and you don't get stuck on the same tiles nearly as much. You get this, you get a better, you get a much greater selection of available tiles. Where in a four-player, it just seemed like. And I'm not saying, like, I could have been paying gold, but then I would have had to have been burning actions to generate gold, too, and that may not have been the best thing uh, to get those tiles. But late, late in the, later in the game, yeah, when I had a gold surplus and it had no way to spend it or had, wasn't really spending it, then it was, okay, I'm just going to buy the tile I need because I, I need to take this action because that's the most beneficial to me. Yeah, it's a good idea to, whatever, figure out how to be more reactionary to how the how it's playing out like that. Um, one tip that definitely helped me that I think you and Justin kind of both pointed out, like there's all these things you can be doing and like kind of a lot of games, like if you try to do all of them, you're not going to do that well. So you really want to kind of narrow down to just concentrating on a couple of those things and doing them really well to kind of boost your points up. And one kind of, I don't know, not really a pitfall, but one thing I noticed I struggled with, like, I think I noticed it like halfway through the game. Like I kind of picked three of the things to do, but then I realized later on, um, depending on what you do pick to do, like some of them uh, can pair together a little more, kind of thing. Um, for as far as the rewards go, especially with like the Hunger Wall and Cathedral, like the Cathedral, you really have to be building buildings if you want to get those little chits that multiply for victory points on the cathedral and then same with the hunger wall you like really got to be building walls in order to do that and then like i think the other thing i was kind of doing was the king's road the king's road seemed a little like more solitary like it didn't really multiply with anything else but then i think 
a lot of times on the King's Road, I was kind of competing to like build walls with that and stuff. So kind of figuring out how those different tracks kind of pair together more, I think can really improve the game. And especially how Justin, like his multipliers at the end, just kind of went insane with whatever he did there. <laughs> like he really, yeah. like we were all pretty close for a while, but then he just kept racking up those end game scoring points. It was nuts. But it was a pretty interesting game, like a lot of crunch there. Um, one other point to the game is there are like extra tiles, like those action tiles have two sides. And then I think the King's Road and Cathedral and Hunger Wall all have like different tracks you can put on there that kind of for more replayability out of the game can kind of tweak it if you're very familiar with it, which is always yeah. cool to have in a game. Yeah, there's a lot you can really do with the game to to build up the replayability or change it up so that the the play is different. But it's definitely a a very crunchy rondel based Euro game. It's there's there's random in the stacks of tiles, but really you're you're kind of in the driver's seat as to what you want to try to do in strategy and if you want to pay for pay to get the action that you really need or if you want to take the action that's cheap it's really all those are decisions you have to make to get to an amazing score so it's a great game uh praga is only it came out in 2020 it's still relatively easily available you you may have to dig and look for it a little bit i believe there are still copies that you're potentially on game store shelves so it's a game that you have some chance to go actually go get so I think uh, there might be a review coming for it at some point in the future. Uh, so I think that's in the works as well. So uh, stay tuned to whiskodice.com for links and, and descriptions of all the games that we just played uh, and uh, for uh, reviews and all of those kind of good things that you would see. So with that, let's go ahead and dive into our hobby corner. And on this episode's hobby corner, I'm going to go ahead and get started with what I've been working on. So uh, I had been working a ton on D and D miniatures, and I had some some. Uh, I think on the previous episode, I talked about a consignment project that I did, and I'm really happy with that. Uh, uh, that uh, in that particular consignment project, uh, the person is super pleased with it. That said, I'm kind of you know I would prefer never to have to do another consignment project in my life. I probably will end up doing them, but. Uh, uh, I am back to being able to paint some stuff for myself and I wanted to uh, paint. A, I had a, I've had probably all summer sitting on my table, uh, the winter soldier from uh, Marvel crisis protocol uh, by atomic mass games. Uh, and so I finally am like, okay, I just need to move this miniature off the table. And I got, I painted up that figure and then I'm like, oh, well, that was kind of fun. And why don't I paint up another figure for the game? So I uh, did my doc, my my version of Doctor Strange uh, that they had for the game. I painted that up as well. And so they're up on the shelf now. Haven't played the game in, I don't know, six, seven, eight months. But it was nice to be able to get some progress. And actually getting a little painting progress on it has now got me motivated to actually go play a game. So uh, we'll, we'll see if that stays true. I'm, I'm working on getting back into the Batman miniature stuff. And then I got some D and D stuff and yeah, there's just too much. My, my table is just caked with miniature painting projects right now. So we'll see who knows what I'll have done for the next episode. <laughs> so yeah, similarly on that trend, uh, my hobby, uh, we kind of talked about it with BMG again, uh, like Joker kicking my face in 
kind of gave me some motivation, kind of retool some stuff. And then in doing that, um, it kind of inspired me to for a chance to get some other miniatures on the table. So I think I kind of want to hold some off until I have them painted. Um, so that's kind of motivating me. I assembled Deadshot um, to just kind of give some variety to my league list. <laughs> uh, my well, the regular league bat box doesn't really have a lot of shooting options, so Deadshot can be kind of a different twist to my force. And then a while ago, I had like assembled most all of my um, BMG models, but uh, some of them I had to finish the basing on and stuff. So uh, whatever Goliath, uh, Damian Wayne, uh, Raish, and Ubu, I had all assembled, but I kind of did up their base and then. Living here in Wisconsin, I kind of, well, over, <laughs> I think I overcompensated now, but I wanted to make sure I get some stuff primed while we had the last few warm days headed into the winter here, because I have rattle can stuff outside, so um, I primed all those up for League, and then I also had to do the basing on my next run of um, BC models for the BC 21+, plus. I guess is what it's going to be now, project. Um, so I just had to put the sand on the bases for, I have a whole skeleton unit and then a whole graveyard unit. I did their base and then got them all primed for a big backlog going into winter. And then tied with that, I'm still working on my zombies. I have the last five, um, probably 50% done now, and that'll actually finish off the unit. So I guess my BC 21 project is more of a zombies 21 project, but I think the next units will go a little quicker. Like skeletons should paint up pretty quick. So I'm still really motivated to do these 20-year-old projects or whatever I got going on in the BC stuff. So it's cool to see it coming together. And the one random other thing I had thrown together, a, whatever, an M3 half-track for Bolt Action US. I was briefly looking at making it to um, whatever Renegade and playing on some of the stuff there, but it didn't end up coming together for me, but I had put together a half track for a possible list. So that's kind of sitting here to finish up at some point too, in between getting tired of working on zombies. So I had quite a productive month, surprisingly, which is cool to have. And sounds, sounds like, like it. it. Yeah, see, I, I, on the other hand, have been in the exact opposite camp. I've either been out of town, which I did spend about a uh, week and a half of November out of town. And uh, when I wasn't working on that, it's been holidays and I had some home improvement things that sucked up all of my free time. So I uh, fortunately don't have anything hobby related moving at the moment. So that's what I get for spending a week out of town gaming, doing other things. Well, I will take your spot then because I did not mention when I was talking about Batman miniature game, uh, the fact that I mean, Brian didn't mention it, but Renegade happened in that convention is in Minneapolis, and I did attend just a single day. I, I attended the the Batman. Uh, I think it's the the it big Nightfall. Well, Night, yeah, Nightfall is the biggest Batman miniature tournament, pretty much typically in the U.S. Uh, certainly in in uh, you know, I don't know if it was actually <laughs> in. 21 we had only 16 players this year but i think in 2019 when i attended and went undefeated i had uh it had like 28 players so um 
you know, that's a pretty decent number of players in one room. And this year, even with 16, it was a lot of fun. This is my first actual play, or was it my first played in third? I think it was my first played in third edition tournament. Yeah, because uh, so, you one, but you didn't play in one yet. Yeah, I went from being very overconfident to the Monday before. Brian kicking my teeth in with league. I don't know if he kicked my teeth in, but it, it was the fact that I went. It was a really close game. Yeah, it was like forty to thirty-six or something like that. Or yeah, I think it was, we were like just scoring ridiculously. Came down to that last turn. Yeah, yeah, it did. And I could have played it a little but bit different. Kind of game, had the, Joker crew. <laughs> yeah, but it was a shock, right? It was a shock and a wake-up call. And then first round, first round, I was playing against league. And it came down to very similar. I just could not rack up points as fast. And then realized that we were also playing a couple of rules wrong, which impacted the speed I could play play cards out of my deck a little bit. But then turned around and like I couldn't like I had the, the little exploding teeth objective card that I have in my deck, and I just could not. I could not all day. I couldn't get that score. So I ended up only winning one game, losing one game, and walking away with two draws. So, I mean, I, at the end of the day, I'm I'm pretty happy with the record overall. Uh, although I will say in both draws, I was on the losing. I was in the heading towards a loss on both of those games. So I was really, I really feel like I was a, a one and three. I was not as good with my list or my tactics or my strategy as I probably should have been. And um, that actually got me excited. Like, okay, hey, I'm going to get the Joker crew back to the table. And that following Monday, we played and kind of flipped the table on you, Brian, and, and got the win uh, with like a 40 to 32 <laughs> or something like that. So, you know, that was yeah, fun. And then, uh, obviously, you walk away with with that going, how am I going to adjust her? How, what do I need to do to, to tweak her <laughs> or get better from that? So obviously I learned from Renegade a lot, um, but I did uh, walk mm-hmm. away with best appearance from Renegade. So it was super awesome to bring home at least uh, one award from from that particular event. And then, uh, as always, that tournament, Stefan gives away a ridiculous amount of product. So I had several new blisters of new miniatures that I now have added to the, the BMG collection. And of course, night models just had their black mutt, their black Friday sale. So I might have went a little nuts. Not you, Ben, never. It's crazy. I already have shipping notifications with like tracking numbers. Usually like night models, you do that and then you don't get your product until like January or February. But I've already got tracking notices with FedEx saying they're going to pick it up, pick it up on Monday. So I might have my Black Friday order here in a week or two, which is really exciting. Yeah, well, there's a bonus for you. All right. So with all of that, let's go ahead and take a break. <laughs> and when we come back, we're going to get into our 2021 recap. Hey folks, this is the Conzie of the Most. I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about Misty Mountain Games here in Madison, Wisconsin, where you can find CCGs, RPGs, board games, minis, paint and hobby supplies for your all of your tabletop gaming experience and needs. If you can't find it online, give them a phone call or swing on by their brick and mortar store uh, here on the east side of Madison. Don't worry, that is MistyMountainGames.com. Check them out today. 
and we're back all right and so let's dive into all of our 2021 recap type stuff we have a number of categories we kind of looked at the year and wanted to break into all of the cool things and some of the bad things maybe that uh we had over the year we encountered so i'm going to go ahead and get started with the first category which is going to be the best new game that we played. For me, that was Dominant Species Marine. I think I'm the only person here that actually played that game. It's from GMT. It's a, an interesting new take on on the Dominant Dominant Species game. Uh, so it's a Dominant Species is a really kind of a classic high player interaction, but it's also a, a game that plays best when you have four to six players. Suzanne and I actually did play it relatively recently at two players, and it was okay. But Dominant Species Marines is for two to four players and plays much better at the smaller player counts. Uh, Some slight tweaking to the way the game mechanics work and and how interactions work. But really, it's very, very much feels and is the dominant species game uh so i really like that it's one of my favorites uh dominant species is one of my favorite games of all time and so being able to get it in a four-player condensed version i'm very looking very very forward to getting this to the table on a game night uh when we have a smaller player counts because that's another thing with dominant species is it's it's too long of a game to get on a our normal wednesday game night so uh, this hopefully will be something I can play uh, on a Wednesday night as well. Yeah, that'd be cool. I guess I'll jump into uh, my pick for the best new game I played. Um, I think I've definitely played a lot of new games this year, but I really looked for kind of the one that stood out the most that I felt like, hey, I kind of really want to go buy this thing was uh, Nemesis. Um, I think we talked about that in a few, like, blog posts and board game branches and stuff and maybe in a previous game recap uh because it's by awakened realms it's kind of like a alien themed thing so you're on a derelict starship cruiser thing and you wake up out of hypersleep there's a one of the dead passengers is ripped out of their hypersleep thing with their chest bursted out and you know the ship's going haywire alarms going off and whatever you're hearing strange noises around the ship and like I guess this game really grabbed me. It has tons of cool miniatures. Like, I'm always all about the miniature guy. Um, and then just the theme, I felt like, was really, like, just, it really uh, kind of immersed you into the gameplay. Like, a lot of the games have a theme, and, you know, it's not quite that immersive, I would say. But, like, this one's really kind of feels all about the story, and, like, you know, you're really kind of fighting to live and make your way off that ship, and then there's kind of a lot of good player action interaction with it, or there could be like in our, I only played it the one time, uh, but like working together is probably more important than we did. And I kind of, it is kind of heavy. Like when you're first going into it, there's like a lot of stuff you can do and a lot of stuff that can come up. But once you kind of dive into some turns, it kind of starts flowing easy. So I was hoping just with the theme and the story to it, it would be kind of a, game you could get uh, other maybe not super hardcore gamers into. And that one really stood out to me. I'm looking forward to some more plays of it. And yeah, considering having a copy, if I would have enough other people to make it worthwhile uh, when Ben's copy just isn't available. <laughs> so You can borrow my copy if you ever want. It is definitely a game you want to plan a 
day to play. Like we played it at Game Old Con, and I brought booked yeah, a four hour block, and game. we were we clipped along pretty quickly, but we still didn't finish it in the four hour slot. So you really want a five or six hour slot to play the game, and it is super immersive. And as long as somebody doesn't get eliminated too early in the game, then I think it works out. Yeah, that can well. be a bummer. I think on the flip side, it can also be very quick too. I think one time you played it on a board game night, uh, like it was you, Dustin, and somebody else, and something went off, and like I think you got like the ship blew up really quick on you, or something, or yeah. something happened. Where Dustin's Dustin's mechanic sabotaged. Yeah, Dustin's mm-hmm. mechanic sabotaged a couple of rooms, and then we had we ran out of malfunction counters and had to place one, and we lost. So yeah, it's it's uh, definitely a lot of variability in Steam there. <laughs> but if I had to plan that for an all day and had that happen right off the bat, I think we would have re-racked and played again. So I think that was more yeah, of a, not, sure. not necessarily knowing the game. Yeah. So for me, I I'm a little late to the game. I I guess I would say a little late to the party. But a friend of mine just hosted a week long event where I got we our whole focus was really playing Jaws of the Lion, which is an independent expansion for Gloomhaven. So I have never actually had the opportunity to play Gloomhaven before, but I I thought Jaws of the Lion, if you're new to Gloomhaven and you stared at the game and said, that's expensive and I don't want to do it, uh, I think Jaws of the Lion is, was a great game for me. Uh, it's very self-contained. It's not that expensive. It's It's definitely something you can pick up and play with just a handful of people. And we did it. Granted, we were playing pretty much all day, but we got through it in a week, so anticipate it'll take you a few months if you're playing with some friends. But it's it's a great introduction, whereas Gloomhaven kind of throws you in the deep end. Jaws of the Lion has a whole bunch of intro scenarios to get you going. So I don't know. I thought it was one of the best games I'd played this year, even though it's a 2020 game. So it was new no, to me. No, Gloomhaven's great, yeah, but it does just throw you right into the deep end so jaws of the lion definitely helps correct that and walks you through learning the game and by the end of the game you're playing a very uh you know you know how to play the full game and it is a full game in that box although it hit like it treats map and setup so much better and easier than the actual gloomhaven with all those tiles that you have to find like gloomhaven itself like suzanne and i'll play We've got a Gloomhaven campaign, and we're itch- we've been itching to get it back to the table. Uh, but it's it's definitely something where when we set it up, it stays set up for days on end. And then when it gets packed up, it because it's so it, there's so much setup involved with regular Gloomhaven, it'll it'll sit on the shelf for uh, a couple of months until we get the itch to play it again because the setup is so involved. But yeah, Brian, that's definitely a game you should check out too. Is Gloomhaven at some point? Even if you're just playing as a one of the characters, maybe in like Suzanne and Maya's campaign, it's it's total, it's super cool dungeon crawl fantasy. Very strategic elements to it as well. So yeah. it's it's just crunchy enough. I feel like you you know there you'll fail us a few scenarios here and there and have to rethink how you build your deck, how you move through the dungeon. It's 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 a lot of fun from that angle. Very yeah. cerebral. We fail a bunch. We fail quite a few times in the actual Gloomhaven game. I haven't pl- I haven't actually played through Jaws of the Lion yet, so least favorite game that we played. Well, I think there's only one of us that had a least favorite, and 
I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna be. This is a very controversial opinion, but it's Catan. Uh, and for me, this game. Years ago, when I played my first game of Settlers of Catan, I was like, "Wow, this game is brilliant!" And I had a ton of fun. And every subsequent game of Catan I've ever played has been starts out great, and then when it gets close to somebody, it looks like there's somebody's gonna win. Turns into this slog and drawl and. Okay, and that's exactly what happened once again in our game of Catan. I think I sat there, like, I, I, I got to nine points, and I'm, like, on the verge of winning, and then I sat there for an hour waiting for everybody else to catch up for me to me just to have the dice finally roll the one thing I needed so that I could win the game and put us out of our misery. And that experience at the table for me is frustrating and random and, uh, and and not great. And I know so many people out there love this game, including you, Matt. I can see you're like over there nodding. Oh yeah. You love it's, love uh... this game. But for me, this is just not a game I enjoy. Uh, I'll play it and I will, you know, usually do pretty well at it, but it's just not like the, there's just elements like the starting up, building up. Okay. I'm getting all these resources. I'm doing these things. That part's great. But then uh, there's always that inevitable slog point of it where it's like, I just wish that, okay, let's let the person win and let's rack it up and play again. Like I don't need this hour of slog where somebody's stuck and can't do anything because they've basically done stuff. The map is pretty full. So everybody else is starting to get hampered. Like they can't build roads or whatever. So they're kind of hampered too. You know, it, it was it, that. That's just kind of the way Catan always boils down for me. Yeah, so. I think there's a reason Catan has earned that uh, reputation as the friendship killer. I mean, you, you, it's funny. I, I take Catan with a big grain of salt. I play it. I know that you can get screwed by the dice for long periods of time. I know people will stop trading with you because you're about to win. Um, which is interesting for me because I, I don't lose my temper on Catan like ever, but I, I mean, I'll get frustrated at the dice, but like, what are you going to do? I picked the three most popular numbers and they haven't rolled all damn game. I'd like to see somebody do a statistical analysis of uh, Catan games because every game I play, it seems like somebody picks 11 and I stare at them dumbfounded and go, why the hell would you ever pick 11? And it rolls like a dozen times during the game, but yeah, Catan can be a sluggish kind of game. Like you said, it goes pretty quick, and then it just kind of grinds to a halt. So. Well, yeah, the robber. Like, inevitably, that person that gets a nine, then they have the robber sits on, like, whatever they're most likely to roll tile is. So then, oh, hey, I'm never getting eights because the spot where I'm on eights, the robber's sitting on. Well, crud, I need to be able to build a city out of one of my towns, and I can't because I can't get whatever it is I need to build a city or whatever. So... Yeah. Anyways, it's Catan. It's you either love it or you don't. I am definitely in the don't kind of uh, camp. Yep. So why don't we dig into our favorite hobby projects of this year? For myself personally, uh, I think the D and D minis that I've done for myself and my wife. I, I mean, I enjoy painting the Batman miniatures that I've been doing, but the D and D miniatures were so different and for such a specific purpose. It was just like a fun diversion. Because if you do a lot of miniature gaming, you'll get into this rut where like you're painting a certain color scheme 
And then that D&D minis were completely unique and separate. So for me, that was kind of my favorite hobby project of the year. Well, you so probably played you? with them more, more than your Batman miniatures. Unfortunately, too, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I, mine's also a Dungeons and Dragons project, and that's uh, you know I picked up the the Creality uh, Ender three three D printer. Uh, having and I picked it up, having already kind of gotten this D and D game started, and knowing that I wanted to do projects for the terrain for D&D. I knew that was something I wanted to do. I didn't want to spend the ridiculous amount of money on buying, say, uh, 3D tiles from any of the big popular vendors out there. I wanted to, but I wanted to have cool 3D dungeons, 3D rooms in the, in the game at certain key points. And for this first one, doing this huge, like massive three single room 3D cavern, for the group and pulling it out. And I don't think, and that was like the first time where I did something or nobody expected it. Nobody, I don't think anybody <laughs> saw that coming. And I walked in, brought it out the back room and popped it on the table. And it was just like, Oh my God, it was you know, kind of moments. Everybody was just, I think at the table was floored. And I think we had a full group that session too. So mm-hmm. everybody got to see it and experience it. And, and we're, and got that bit of wow factor. So that was, that was super awesome. Like that, that was super rewarding. And I've, I, and it's, I'm like you, Matt, I've painted a bunch of B, uh, BMG miniatures. I painted, I've painted bolt action miniatures. I painted a number of other miniatures for things. That was the most rewarding project I've done. Uh, just because it was something that it wasn't really for me. Like, yes, I got the hobby peer experience, but it wasn't really for me. It was for, the D and D group that and everybody just had this like super wild moment. And like, I think people were taking pictures and I mean, we got a quite a bit of use out of that one room <laughs> in that particular <laughs> um, dungeon delve too. So there was, there was a number of combats that happened in that room and things, you know, I think it added to the ability to like, see, Hey, there's some chests over here that we can actually go visually inspect. And there's a card over here and there's a, you could, you could see things. Nobody actually leveraged or tried to leverage the fire that was burning and the raging and burning in the, the middle of the room for much other than the, to realize that before it was a little too late that they, they would have been cannibals if they would have ate the roasting dwarf that was on that fire. But hey, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there were a I'm number sorry, of things. I'm sorry, roasting dwarf just doesn't smell that good. It, it, was, it was a cool, <laughs> cool piece, piece of that game and, and something that was really awesome at that point. Yeah, that was definitely really cool. And like, I'm all about those minis, so really seeing the escape was really awesome. And it was so well done. It was really cool. So now we're always like, whenever Ben says clear the table for something, I think we all get really excited now. <laughs> whenever that happens in the D&D group. Um, so I guess uh, going on to my favorite hobby project, um, I guess it's probably been the thing I've worked on the most this year, and if it's not obvious, it's probably the most sentimental project I've had, but that's just uh, plugging away on my DC Army project. Like I kind of mentioned earlier when we were covering our, what we've been doing in the hobby, like I, this was really my first intro into like mini gaming and really just like the greater gaming in general. So um, to be able to come back to it and like 20 years later, like actually 20 years later um, and be motivated to kind of finally, you know, do all this hobby and painting that I just never 
committed to doing in the past. And like, that's my sole motivator is just the sentimentality of the project. And I know Ben and I, like, we'll definitely play Warhammer, but we only did play, I think, one, I don't know if our one game was, it must have been this year, I think, in the spring. But um, yeah. it's just really cool to have these old, some of my favorite miniatures uh, of Warhammer. And I have plenty of other projects to move on to, but the VC are really my, like my initial baby. So just plugging away at that and actually seeing it come together very, very slowly, but um, kind of definitely faster than the past 20 years of work kind of has been. So that's really been my favorite thing. And I'm really looking forward, like these old Warhammer figures and armies are really my favorite kind of um, whatever hobby project. So I'm hoping I have so much to do. Hopefully I'll keep that rolling into the whatever months and years to come. And someday I'll have this fully painted VC army at a minimum to show for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least it can sit on a display shelf somewhere if, if uh, uh, you don't have any. If nothing else. The game. Yeah. I, I probably display both of my painted armies in the game room to this day. So, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's something that will be with me for a long time in my life. Yeah, I had mine up for a long time till I finally sold off my Slayer army this year. So that was my favorite one I painted. All right, moving forward, uh, we would like to dive into our favorite gaming memories of 2021. So I'm gonna start with heading back to Gen Con this year. Uh, I'm a regular Gen Con goer. I go every year. It seems like now, um, since like 2012 or something like that maybe 2011 i've been to indianapolis for gen con every year uh and previous to that when it was here in wisconsin i was able to go to it uh once in milwaukee and a couple in the first two years it was in indianapolis i was there so gen con is a big event that uh i do and being able to take my wife again to gen con and we hadn't really planned on going this year we actually were going to skip it and then didn't realize that our tickets from 2020 rolled into 2021 tickets and we weren't gonna at that point it was like yeah we both kind of looked at each other and said yeah we're going and we went and had just a blast it was it was absolutely amazing it was my first actual in-person convention back uh doing things you know we did a lot of stuff for the podcast but we also did a lot of stuff just games and pick uh playing games and it was it was amazing i absolutely highlight of the year for me I think for me, the highlight for this particular year has been getting involved in that D&D campaign. Uh, Back in my college days, um, I did a lot of role-playing games. Uh, Didn't really do a lot of board games back then or miniature gaming, but did a ton of role-playing games back then. Totally different system. But I just think it's a lot of fun getting back in there. It's something I do with my wife, um, and she, I think, is particularly good at role-playing. So it's just a lot of fun to see what she does with her characters. And so, I don't know. And and just to see the other characters at the table and how they develop those, that's kind of my favorite thing. It's just a lot of, it's just brought back so many memories and it's just been a heck of a lot of fun with the group that we've put together. So that's one of my favorite memories from this year. Yeah, I, I will say that was pretty close to being on my list. And it, I don't think I was in the right headspace for a long time to be able to get back in the DM's chair 
but this game and this effort and the effort that I, you know, I've, I've spent relearning how to be a DM. I, it has been one of the most rewarding gaming event, gaming things that I've been able to do up to this point and will hopefully continue. Uh, it certainly has me excited to start another game. Uh, and uh, hopefully in 22, that'll be one of the things I'm able to actually get off the ground. Yeah, I guess leading from that, I didn't have like a standout memory from this year, but definitely like my biggest thing from this year, and I think it'll tie into our next uh, sum up of our 2021 gaming, but just being able to play in person again has been like the biggest thing. I think that's all on your guys' radar too. Just being able to meet up and play some games has been really good after just a year of hiatus. Like, it's really good to get back to that and actually, you know, sit around the game table, like have these experiences and fun with all your friends. Yeah. In-person gaming is really, really, I think the big thing that sums up 2021 over 2020. Uh, we did a number of virtual gaming things. We did a number of uh, other types of gaming, but yeah, in-person gaming, that's, that's really what I sums up my 2021 is, and, and I never thought that that would be a thing, you know, ever I would incur, encounter my life is, <laughs> is marking a year of what was the thing that really summed up my gaming? No, it wasn't all the conventions I went to. It wasn't all of the D&D games I started and played. It wasn't, hey, I played BMG f- 50 times this year. It was the fact that I got to play in person. Yeah. And that and that's the big thing on my list, too, is... I, I mean, the online was fine, but it's just not as personal. I mean, just being able to sit with somebody and in the same room and see the board in a different light. I, I don't know. There's just something about physically and tactile like moving the miniatures or the 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 board on, you know, your meeples on the board or drawing cards. It's just a lot different experience for me than just playing with, you know, the digital version. You know, the digital version, I think, has been great. It's kept us gaming, which is awesome, but I just still missed getting together with people. So that was, I think, my highlight for 2021 too yeah i think that's all of ours so it it really it it really i never thought it'd be that defining (laughs) of a of a year is just being able to to play in person but you lose that for a year and see what happens yeah absolutely i mean i think that's why for me one of my standouts from gaming was just the D &D because i had not been involved in a solid role-playing campaign in maybe a decade, which is somewhat self-inflicted, but, you know, I was like, wow, this is just awesome. I forgot how much I missed this. So it's the same thing for me with the getting back in person with people. It's just that, oh my God, I took a year off and I can't believe how much I missed it, you know? And like we said, it's not like we didn't game, it's just not the same. So Exactly. So looking into 2022, um, for me personally, um, I have like actually, I think I currently have four separate Kickstarters, which is nothing compared to what Ben is running. But um, there are at least two to three of them that I'm really looking forward to. So um, I like Frosthaven for anybody who's been tracking Frosthaven, which is the follow up to Gloomhaven. Um, that's been delayed and delayed. A lot of it has to do with global shipping, but 
I mean, they've been trying to do take lessons from Jaws of the Lion and some of the other stuff they've done to hopefully make the game a lot better. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. The com- I have the complete edition of Everdale coming whenever that gets done and shipped. And um, uh, there's this other game that I haven't heard anybody else mention. It's called Flamecraft that just kind of looks like a a little fun play off of something similar to Everdale, but it's all dragons and stuff like that. So I don't know. It looks really cool. I signed up for the thing. It was well-funded, so we'll see how that goes. So there's a few Kickstarters I'm really looking forward to in 2022 for next year. So moving into 22 for me, it's really about the growth of this show, the, the blog and and everything that we're doing here at the Whisker Dice family. Uh, 21 really saw a big change in evolution for us at Whisker Dice, uh, and that evolution will continue to happen, I think, as we continue through 22. And now we've we've built a pretty co- pretty unique, solid core of a team where we all have a lot of skills and, and interests that and gaming interests that we can bring to the table and talk about and write about. But uh, in 22, I think that growth is going to continue and and these bonds that we're building as part of a podcast team is going to continue to refine and and improve our creative process and ultimately the content that we're putting out and that that to me is such a big deal as we close in on 10 years 10 years we were talking about it but at the start of the show 10 years of whisker dice and that evolution and change of what's happened with this thing over those 10 years is just it's phenomenal and i think that for me i'm so excited to see what happens and we have a loose roadmap and a vision we can hit half the things that that are on that roadmap this year i think it's a really exciting year yeah it's a lot to look forward to from our side and we know you don't all know what we're talking about yet but uh, i think there's a lot of exciting things to come in 2022 from this this group and wisco dice in general so far as the biggest surprise of 2021 my biggest single surprise and it's actually a game and that's whirling witchcraft from AEG. when i was at gen con i had the opportunity to participate in the AEG big game night that's on friday night um it was in this huge room with other gamers and when part of that you walk away with like three brand new copies of AEG games and one of them was whirling witchcraft which we learned to play in that room and we played it a couple of times there and i was like this when I I I did a little bit of uh, research on each of the games before that were getting played, so that I knew I knew roughly how to play the game before I got to big you know the game night. And this is one that I was probably I I don't think I was very excited about any of the games other than Tiny Towns that we were going to play, but I you know it was something to do, and we played this game, and holy cow! It was awesome, and I we then took it and played it probably another four or five times on Saturday night during the Wisco Dice Dice game night, and then we turned around and it's been played another two or three times since here at home. 
You you pulled that out on a game. I was gonna say you pulled that out on a game night, and we played like three, maybe four rounds of it, didn't we? Yeah, we did. So. And I every everybody picked it up. You, you learn it fast. It plays relatively fast. It's like this chaotic little fun ball of a game. And I I was just floored by how good it is. And now I'm like, man, I hope they do in a you know I I hope they do uh, an expansion to it. I just want more options for unique witches and spells i don't need don't change the game don't make it more complicated just give me more stuff to add to it so that i have more variety and and things so i can't necessarily get into this pre-programmed okay these are the spells i always want to take and look for and the deck is always going to spit them out at, at kind of this rate and kind of thing i want to I would love to see the game just get a little more, just more stuff. Don't make, don't change the rules that much. Don't add ingredients. I'm sure they will, but just give me more game. It was not a game that was on my radar at all, and I was so pleasantly surprised. And it's been a long time where there was a game that wasn't on my radar that really just caught me and got me that excited about it. So biggest, biggest surprise of 21. Uh, and, and I didn't have any real big surprises, I would say, for this year, but that was a game that when he pulled it out, I was pretty stunned at how easy it was to learn and how just, as he said, fun and chaotic it was. It was just like super fast rounds. You could go through it very quickly. You could teach somebody super fast, and it was just a fun time. I mean, even if you were kind of screwed, it didn't matter because you were like, oh, it's okay, because we just start a new round and then you'd have a different person and you'd be doing different things. And it was just a super fast, fun, light game to play, but was just, I don't know. It was just a lot of fun. Yeah. I loved it. And I, and I honestly, that is a game that we have a copy of. We have a spare copy of sitting here. Look for a giveaway in 22 uh, coming from the podcast where we're giving that game away. Um, it's going to be, and somebody's going to be a very lucky winner that time. So stay tuned if you're interested in winning a copy of Whirling Witchcraft, because one of these episodes will ha- will announce a new contest where that's going to be a prize. And with that, uh, that sums up our year in twenty two of twenty twenty one gaming and Wisco Dice. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the recap as much as we did. It little tears drops coming down from my eyes think just thinking about all the fun we had it was pretty awesome so i'm super excited i'm super stoked here now we're looking at 22 uh everybody have have a great and amazing holiday season uh i hope you every everyone had a great thanksgiving and now we're moving into the rest of the holiday season and here's to looking to 2022 and 10 years of whisker dice I don't know about you guys, but I am pumped for it. Yeah, it should be a super great year. All right, folks. Enjoy your holidays. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you leave a review of this show wherever your favorite place is to find podcasts. Oh, and by the way, give us a like on our Facebook page. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest while you're at it. If you haven't looked recently, make sure you catch up on the blog at wiscodice.com. Hey, Brian, what's that site? Oh, darn. I forget. Uh, Justin, what's our website again? Wiscodice.com. That's right. It's wiscodice.com. And until next time, everyone, peace out.